Listen, that's been uh, that's me doing some jokey jokes for you, but let's get the podcast rolling. Let's bring in. Uh, well, actually, sorry, sorry. Anders is gone. I, I had he texted me. I had to let you, I had to let you guys know he's gone. Um, he had to get out of here. I'm actually uh, I'm doing one thing for the end of our set tonight, which is that I am going to announce that I am running for president of the United States. Thank you. And here to interview me about the launch of my campaign is disgraced editor-in-chief of current affairs, Nathan J. Robinson. Nathan J. Robinson, everyone. Littenfield, delighted to be here. Are you from Harry Potter? Mm, quite. <laughs> Mr. Flores, Jacob Flores. Oh, y yes. Thank you for calling me by my, my government name. As I understand it, you are running in the Libertarian primary for President of the United States. Are you some special kind of Libertarian? Well, let me explain to you what happened uh, recently. The party has been taken over by a far right-wing faction called the Mises Caucus. Mm. And if you're not familiar with them, uh, their plan was to run a guy named Dave Smith, who is one-third of the podcast, The Legion of Skanks, which, if you are a fan of our show and you're familiar with us, you might know, is the podcast that keeps following me to comedy clubs to try to kick my ass. That's real, by the way. He was going to be the libertarian, like, front-runner. Rather. Until he dropped out of the race. He dropped out because his wife asked him to, which made this woman very mad. Can we get that slide up on the, th the thing? You have any idea of the personal toll I have taken for the cause? Fuck. No, I'm the last person to give an excuse to. I'm liking dying far younger because of why well, I think she's meant likely because of what I've given. And I'm a woman. Yes. Sorry. I'm traditional like that. I believe in the duty of the great man. Capital G. I believe in men as civilization builders. My word. <laughs> yeah. Pissed off a bunch of trap. So, uh, anyway, he dropped out of the race because his wife asked him to, and it pissed off a bunch of trad women like that because they're mad about, like, duty or whatever. So, uh, so now there's a vacuum in the party, and I've decided to run for president as a classical libertarian. Thank you. <laughs> Simply fascinating, Mr. Flores, as a classical libertarian myself, Current Affairs Magazine, Nathan J. Robinson. Uh, I am delighted to hear this news. Tell us about your uh, form of plat, or as I call it, the platform. The form of plat, yes, Nathan. Certainly. Uh, if you're aware of the Libertarian Party, you're likely familiar with the basic tenets of the Libertarian Party, right? Yes. Things like uh, free markets, limited government, sex with the underage, <laughs> and so on. Uh, what we're doing here at the Flores 2024 campaign is taking those values back to their Libertarian Socialist origins. Mm, quite. <laughs> free markets? We're going to make them even freer. The only legal way to purchase goods when I'm president will be stealing. If you're caught paying for groceries, you will be executed on site. <laughs> Limited government, guess what? Cops are no longer, no longer allowed to leave their house. Oh. How's that for limited, huh? Yes. They still get a gun, though, so be careful. <laughs> age of consent, instead of trying to lower the age of consent, which has long been a libertarian tradition, mind you, we're going to be incentivizing young men to have sex with older women. This will be known as the Earned Income Tax Credit. <laughs> Simply scrumptious and scintillating proposal, sir. Now, our uh, Marxist critics will say that socialism, in a non-authoritarian manner, something like universal healthcare. Healthcare is now DIY-based. <laughs> the big hospitals have had it too good for too long. Get together with your friends. Start a hospital in your house. Get surgery equipment at the pawn shop. Need funding? Sell merch. 
the house doesn't get a cut. And on the question of the uh, ongoing war in Ukraine, what is your answer? I emailed Noam Chomsky about that, and I'm waiting for him to get back to me. <laughs> Big issue here in the city of New York is transit. Where do you stand on the issue of transportation? In my America, cars are abolished. All transportation is bicycle-based. <laughs> also, I have another announcement to make. The reason I brought Nathan J. Robinson here is because he will be heading up my Department of Transportation. So not only will all transportation happen on bicycles... Splendid! It'll happen on these bicycles. An anti-capital idea, sir. <laughs> Where do you stand on the ceiling of debt? I'll be dealing with the debt ceiling the way, same way I deal with my regular ceiling, with a large tarp. That's now that's real. my kind of troubled asset relief program, if you know what I mean. <laughs> on the metric system, where do you stand, sir? I think we should switch to it, and I think people that insist on sticking to the king's measurements should be known as foot guys. Because <laughs> they like the foot. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. Just calls them like I sees them. <laughs> mm, indeed. And on the right to bear arms, sir. We're going to email Noam Chomsky about that. Yes. I must ask, as a uh, presidential candidate, if you were to, it were to come to pass that you are in the uh, White House and aliens, extraterrestrial, a variety of alien, invades the world and, by extension, the United States of America, how do you respond, sir? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> in less than 24 hours, aircraft from this country will join aircraft from the rest of the world. <laughs> and what will likely be the largest aerial combat mission known to mankind. Mankind! That word will take on a different form, a different meaning. <laughs> Let me check my notes. <laughs> mm, indeed, splendid. <laughs> that word should have a new meaning for us all today, that's right. We can't be consumed by our petty differences. We must unite behind our common interest. Perhaps it is no coincidence, perhaps it is fate that tomorrow is the 11th of September. <laughs> and we will once again be fighting for our freedom. Our freedom not from tyranny, not from oppression, not from persecution, but from annihilation. And should we win the day, Tomorrow, to, should we win the day, the 11th of September, it will be known as, will no longer be known as an American holiday. It will be known as the day the world came together and in one voice said, ah, we shall not go into that night. We shall not vanish without a fight. We will survive. We will live on. Today is our 9-11. That's the end of the bit. Splendid. Yes. Good night. Lock them into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. That's right, I'm running for president. Hello. What music is that? I think that's uh, NBA on NBC. I don't know why that's. That's what I was thinking. Big points for President Jake. That's, yeah, that's what I. That's what I was going for. You know who wrote that? Uh, oh, the uh, E.T. guy. John Tesh. Yeah. Is he the E.T. guy? 
Uh, Entertainment Tonight. Yeah, apparently he did Entertainment Tonight as well. <laughs> oh, I was like Drew Barrymore. <laughs> She's uh, on. Yeah, that's a good one to keep in your back pocket. Keep referring to Entertainment Tonight as ET. <laughs> that's how it, I would distinguish. I used to watch that and Access Hollywood, and so <laughs> for my big shows as a nine-year-old. Um, you don't seem like you know enough about celebrities for this to be true. In 1999, watch out, man. I had all the hot goss. Oh, but you'll Dennis never Quaid, believe Meg what Ryan. Billy Bob Thornton was wearing <laughs> last week. Yeah. Oh, he was wearing uh, Angelina Jolie's blood around his neck. Right. The other kids were talking about Pokemon. I was talking about Billy Bob Thornton fucking a couch, which is what he said it was like to have sex with Angelina Jolie. Gotta collect them all. Yeah. How is... Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to stop here. How is having sex with Angelina Jolie like fucking a couch? How That's is having what sex Billy with B- any human being like <laughs> fucking a couch? That's what Billy Bob Thornton said about their relationship. I don't know how accurate it is. I think he was probably just saying that to get back at her for something. But I, the insinuation I take it is that it was she, she was not very lively. So she, she wasn't kinda, lively. She was like a couch, man. Yeah, a, a hot she couch. Was, she was putting her legs out. When you pull right. the lever. <laughs> I mostly remember that because she was of holding the- a beverage. <laughs> Conan had a pretty good joke at the time. I guess this was a few years you after. You reach that, down anyway. and there's some old candy wrappers in there. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I just remember it being made fun of on Conan, that quote, which is probably <laughs> a few years after I was watching Access Hollywood. But st- that, yeah. that style of that, that type of goss. You can't give ammunition like that to the sea, man. No, sir. (laughs) Well, anyway, I'm running for president. I don't know, Anders, I don't know if you heard about it because you were mysteriously absent in the room when I announced the show the other night. I caught a video and I didn't realize how striking Nathan J. Robinson was in person. He's a very handsome man. I didn't realize he was a redhead. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's a disguise. You know, maybe he dyed his hair. Yeah, he's a fashionable person, right? Because he's how he you was, get into these positions of power. Is it, it's just like raw attraction in the room. It doesn't really, you know, translate necessarily to the page. That's how a lot of like big important jobs get handed down. You know, did you think he dyed his hair red because he was trying to sneak into the DSA convention? Because I heard that he showed up and they wouldn't let him in. Yeah, that did that did happen. Um, maybe. Maybe, yeah, just disguise himself and Littlefield, same same rules to enter as the DSA convention. So that's oh, true. Keep me out, will you? <laughs> Let's see uh, if you bar my brother, Bernard J. Robinson. I feel bad making fun of him because he promoted this very podcast in one of his books, and that's how people have told me that that's how they found out about it. Yeah, so we we're in a book. Quite a bit. Eye for an eye. <laughs> but on the other hand, he is like hilarious. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, one of a kind. You, you probably shouldn't. You shouldn't dress extravagantly like that and be like a public person if you, unless you like, you're gonna get parodied by the SNL cast or whatever. It would be like if Billy Bob Thornton was mad at Conan for his couch fucking riffs <laughs> after clearly having it coming. <laughs> it's almost the exact same situation. And he also pulled a Drew Barrymore, I think. Uh, I've heard yeah. people... I've heard people Union wise. Def- so apparently the the like the staff of current affairs, his libertarian socialist magazine, uh, like tried to unionize a couple years ago, and he I think they were trying to it. form a co-op. They were making trying to make it into a co-op. See, that's the thing. I don't feel incredibly confident talking about this because there's like details I don't know. I've yeah. heard people go like, "Oh no, no, that got misrepresented on Twitter," and that it's impossible to misrepresent anything on Twitter. So I right, I've never seen it before. About that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's totally possible. So, uh, no, this is a, not an official judgment on the man. Mostly, just he's a hilarious human, and the way he looks and acts is funny. This MF, he dresses like the Joker. 
And it could be bad. I don't know. I've had different people at different parties tell me it, and my eyes have kind of glazed over while I've been on, you know, wasted and been like, oh, this is fucked up. And they've just said opposite things, and I've forgotten all of it. Uh, but so, something is legitimate out there. He's either good or bad. I don't know. No one does. He's a quantum thing. So how did your interview with him for president go? Did you walk away from it confidently? How are you feeling at the beginning of this campaign season? I think we got this. Uh, I'm going to fill the power vacuum in the Libertarian Party because Dave Smith from the Legion of Skanks dropped out because his trad wife asked him to. Is that why? That's the power of wives. Yeah. So you two don't know, but a a wife can end a campaign like that. Colin Powell's wife. Colin Powell's wife. Yeah, wow. that's why he didn't run in 96. She was like, no, someone's going to kill you. <laughs> said, okay. And he must Fine, have been. I didn't really want to do it that bad anyway. <laughs> well, he must have been pissed when Obama got elected without being shot. Oh, look, nobody killed him. Although yeah. he, Obama wasn't running as a Republican. I will yeah. say, I feel like you're even less likely to be killed as a Republican. Right. Because you have a lot of the murderers on your side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, could have done it. That's why Trump never got assassinated because all the assassins are Trump guys. He's got all right. the shooters. It's not like a Democrat is gonna, you know, that fucking uh, who, you know. No, they don't know. They don't have the heat, man. They're too busy doing like uh, you can't hug your children with nuclear arms signs. None of them go right next to the nuclear arms signs at Walmart. There are rifles available, and they never pick them up. Yeah, mm. Brooklyn Dad Defiant is not going to actually ice someone. <laughs> yeah. Defiant within limits. <laughs> so we got to fill out this this form for Jake on the FEC. Um, I don't think you have to register as a libertarian. Maybe you do. But uh, I was going to do it on my computer, but there's a, a software you're supposed to use that doesn't work on Macs. So Ooh, if you... Mac- Mac users, you cannot be president of the United States. <laughs> there might be web forms I'm looking at here, but uh, we'll we'll get on top of that. I'll be the campaign manager, I guess. And uh, great news about presidential campaigns for me: the candidate can't take a salary; the campaign manager can. So okay. Ooh. And if you're listening to this and you're a lobbyist and you want to influence the race, hey. Have at it. We will take your money. BlackRock, Blackstone, Blackwater, uh, Chrome Industries. We're here for it. Yeah. Uh, Cheech and Chong CBD gummies. Mm. We're looking to court them. Uh, also, that matches black, the color of my Amex card. That's right. That's Actually, right. CBD, I have a CBD related policy proposal. This is maybe anti-libertarian, but I think you they should be required to sell CBD once again at head shops. I can't get it anywhere. I'm old now. I just want a little CBD gum. I need to go to sleep. I don't want any stuff that makes you high. Uh, Anders and needs his dad grass. Yes. Well, you're all, you all will be needing the CBD because apparently you're working as my campaign manager, which I would like to go back and note. You just declared... Uh, just out of the blue, which I appreciate. That's the initiative that got I you the job. I didn't know that. These are the kinds of power plays that happen in uh, national politics. Things move quickly. I didn't know that. But you know what? I didn't have a campaign manager, so you're hired. You're hired. I I'm, could a, also, I'm fired. I could be chair. What's the other job? Ad guy? Count. Does you like the organic process the Libertarian Party uses where people just show up and announce they're in charge and they're like, fine, that is your right. <laughs> I could be chair. What are you, Angelina Jolie? You Whoa! Could- <laughs> <laughs> oh baby that's right oh, she is not gonna like that that's how that's why i'm gonna couch. that's how i'm gonna win these debates yo oh my god zingers like way, that jake versus angelina jolie is october 4th you have to come to the debate she has a strong team with her i <laughs> really think her tomb raider guns i really do think that was his uh hyperbole i don't think she actually has sex like a couch i think he just has a weak Billy Bob game, if you know what I mean. I am willing Angelina to. Angelina Jolie, you're a beautiful woman. <laughs> His Billy Bob ain't Thornton. I'm willing All to of investigate. Your children are yeah. strong and upright. We'll look into it. I'll look into it and tell people whether it's true or not. 
I want to have oh, sex with Angelina debate. Jolie. That's the yeah, joke that's... I'm trying to get across here. This one didn't <laughs> land as hard as the other one. <laughs> but the thing is, people always want to debate women to marry them. That's like the classic AOC thing. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. then in a debate, you they they have you for an hour. Like, you have to talk to them for an hour. That really is why those guys are so into that shit. Can you yeah, imagine I mean, if it worked? To, like, wait turns and stuff. I'm, I'm sure it does. I, the, nobody gives it a chance is the problem, Jake. Nobody what gives if, it a chance. What if AOC debated a random libertarian comment guy from the internet? And that's why. She was <laughs> then just she, like, she married him. It, I, then he said this, and I just divorced my husband because <laughs> she's already married. <laughs> what married if he that. was a libertarian and she owned him and then literally owned him and that's what their relationship is that'd be you would love that because oh, it's like a sub dom nationalized the private industry kind of sex thing that's right yeah wait would a libertarian love or hate that because like property is the, well, the property is theft to to me but to them it's like the greatest i don't know the fuck trying theory. to yeah, all the distinctions between libertarian socialist and libertarian are hard to write nuanced jokes about because no one understands that they stole that word from Chomsky. This is why Noam Chomsky's late night television show fell through. It was kind of unclear the direction <laughs> of a lot of the humor. Yeah. The email zone with Noam. <laughs> I don't know if you heard Billy Bob Thornton said Angelina Jolie with her vagina was quite akin to a couch. This is fire. Ghana. (laughs) The trappings of the economy are such that it's like putting your dick in a couch. (laughs) This is a classic monologue. And I now, don't know what he, used, the I don't know what he like before bear. he was 95 years old. It's kind of hard to imagine. <laughs> it was the same. Yeah. <laughs> it's just been this all the way down. This is, reminds me of uh, an old Mr. Jokes joke. Steve Whalen had a joke that, uh, yeah, I just got my uh, first uh, spot on late night. I got booked as the couch. Yes. <laughs> oh, good news for him. Yes, Steve. He's gonna be fucking Angelina Jolie. Wait, no, she's the couch. I don't know. Fuck it. She is the couch. <laughs> he is. He Angelina is married Jolie. to Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> R.I.P. Steve Whalen. <laughs> oh man. Uh, you know who else is? Uh, fuck. Uh-huh. Hold on. Who else? Well, who else is fucking? I guess it's all eyes as far Who's as I need to go in, with this. In the audience tonight, <laughs> they're about to. Yeah, in the audience for sure. Yeah, was, uh, Lauren Bobert and Congresswoman. Who? Uh, her date? Her husband? I don't fucking know what her her nasty date personal life is like. Is she single? I think she's single, and this is a little mingle. It uh, appears ready to mingle, Jake. It appears that way. It appears mid mingling. So the 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 incident is there's security camera footage of her live at Beetlejuice the play. <laughs> Am I correct so far? Yeah, <laughs> musical. Uh, yeah. She brought a date, and then he was like full on like oh, under and over the shirt, like honking her, and she was like. <laughs> He was honking her like a damn car horn, and uh, she was somewhat rubbing him off. And I think in the end, it's really the crime of going to a theater and acting like a comedy show audience. And I think that should be legal. I don't understand. Is that what they got kicked out for? Because like and vaping, she was vaping, and, and there was a pregnant woman. <laughs> It wasn't even like, I hope no one sees me. It was like, fuck it. What is this, Beetlejuice? (laughs) Trying to get some cock tonight. (laughs) (laughs) I I guess what's kind of unnerving to me about this story is like, I mean, it is fucking hilarious, but like, okay, so are they just watching us all in night vision anytime we're in the audience at a thing? And then like... The, if uh, if you honk a boob or get a handy, yep. 
they are just at any moment could throw so, that shit up on the internet and be like, where does it shame, end? shame. I mean, <laughs> shame. it's funny when it happens to Lauren Bobert, mm. but true. Yeah, the security state of Broadway's live performances <laughs> is out of control. <laughs> I mean, I believe this was in uh, Denver, Colorado, which somehow oh, makes it yeah. funnier. You um, better assume they're recording you and selling the videos after in Denver. <laughs> live maybe theater libertarian libertarian paradise so that is must true be having handies and honk honks left and right at these beetlejuice shows i think it was probably the vaping that got her kicked out apparently she tried to pull rank and she was like do you know who i am they were like, yeah. and then they were like oh so this security footage is worth something great yeah, yeah. <laughs> i thought it was just kind of gross before but actually it will make me rich <laughs> now this is hilarious yeah i had the same thought jake of like well now they're recording you at the theater but i thought it was the movies at first i didn't realize i didn't realize this was like a you know, they were glammed uh, fancy up night out to go to like a midnight screening of builders it's so funny that she went and watched the Beetlejuice musical. <laughs> you just it's, picture the Beetlejuice cast getting off stage being like, the crowd at these late shows, man, I can't deal with them. The Friday night late show, that's why I quit, man. So fucking rowdy, <laughs> throwing Dude, beers I, at me, I'm trying to be Beetlejuice. <laughs> have you ever seen like an ad for the Beetlejuice musical? No. Not once. It's very jarring because the guy playing Beetlejuice, like, you just can't recreate the way Beetlejuice looked in the movie, which was awesome. It looks like a guy wearing a the Spirit Halloween Beetlejuice getup, like a wig and a just weird kind of cheap suit and stuff. And uh, it doesn't look good. I don't understand why they want to watch this. Hello? Well, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice is Tim Burton, right? Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's a guy who's going to like shoot a full can of hairspray on his actor before every take and it's impossible to recreate in 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 real life and that's how you get the m- magic of the movies whereas you just have to kind of do this kind of uh imagination that audiences in the 1800s would do just pretend he's a he's a nasty beetlejuice we know he looks like pizza rat that makes that's sense part of the performance um shit yo so what part of Beetlejuice do you think that they started getting down in? Because I'm guessing when he turns into the giant worm. Like in the oh, first yeah. time they heard the word Beetlejuice and they had like a game that they had planned beforehand where every time he says Beetlejuice, there's a little hand action. Uh, I want to you- come for every time he says Beetlejuice <laughs> in the whole play. Well, he says oh, 45 times. <laughs> The whole thing about Beetlejuice is that you say his name three times and he shows up. So it's like, I want to bust on the third time would be it. Mm, yeah, that's going to be hard to time, right? I mean, to, I mean that was the whole, that was kind of the point of the movie. Is it's hard to know when Beetlejuice is going to show. And oh, you no, say you... it the first two times, and it builds tension, and that tension can go a lot of places. Yo, yeah, sexual tension. Denver, sexual. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, yeah. Well, best of luck to her. Have you guys, <laughs> let me ask, what's the hottest and heaviest it's ever gotten for you in a theater or a public performance? Uh, um, it's pretty much just been exactly like Beetlejuice, the live action <laughs> performance for me. I used to make out in movie theaters when I was like a teenager because I thought that was like a good place to go try to do that. In, in retrospect, it's like very awkward, actually. You're like sitting next to each other. Yeah. See, this is the nature of teenage love, though, isn't it? Is that neither of you own a home or have a place to go that isn't your parents' house. So you just start finding spots in public that are like unlikely to bust you. But the the um, the stakes are actually really high because if you get caught and you're 18, say, like, let's say you're still in high school, you still don't have your own place, but you're 18. If you get caught having sex in public, you are a sex offender for life now. Mm. That's true. Well, Wait, is you're... Lauren Boebert going to be a sex offender? Is that possible? Her, <laughs> her clothes were on. Yeah, I think so that's I don't the, think that's gonna the do key it. distinction, clothes on. Uh, I will say, this might sound slightly <laughs> braggadocious, the end of the story will make up for that, but when I was 21, 
I uh, was at a screening of the movie No, which is a, a Chilean film about the referendum to prevent Pinochet. Oh, I'm running. so horny. It's already the coolest uh, story I've ever heard. Oh, they're about to do the referendum. <laughs> he better bring himself back down at the end because that, that's just bragging at this point. Gail Garcia Bernal uh, was in the movie. <laughs> He's very handsome, and so I think the young women I was with were turned on by him, and I made out with two girls at once. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> Taking his own personal referendum of the audience. <laughs> but then very funny. we went back to their place, and they were like, there were like hotter guys who came over, and they said to me, hey, can you leave? So that makes up for that's so rude. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's Can you leave? Up. Yeah. <laughs> Were you just like visiting and they'd all knew each other or something? It was the dorm situation. Oh Where man. From? I would fucking... never recover. Yeah. What? They were they were gassing you up so hard though. Right. I, the, both of them making out with I, you. They evened it out, you know. You can't you can't have too much winning for old Anders Lee. You need to. Yeah, Anders has been winning too much. They thought. <laughs> Time to make him walk home. <laughs> uh, oh that's, no, that's a real roller coaster. Well, the first part is pretty cool, though. Yeah, I'll always have that. But actually, as you were saying, it's actually really awkward and embarrassing. You know, I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. My, like, the still young part of me was like, this is so cool. And then the rest of me was like, this is really embarrassing and we're in public. The armrests are also quite detrimental mm. if they don't go up because they're like really in the way oh, of everybody's crotch. Yeah. That's one thing I've noticed. <laughs> Examining the Bobert. <laughs> <laughs> People are going to go over this like the uh, Zapruder film. <laughs> yeah, back He's to the He's jacking left. him back <laughs> to the left. <laughs> yeah, that would work. You could do it. Um, I just keep I keep wanting to say back into the left, but we have to move back on. to the left. <laughs> it's, time is fast. Back. It's fun to say. To the, especially that scene because it's this guy's head being blown into smithereens and he keeps like <laughs> well, let's, let's see that again. Now they take like it's fucking Stu Scott on Sports Center. Yep. I saw like a, a clip of the, the Kennedy assassination recently, and there's a part where Jackie O is like kind of climbing over the Cadillac or the the convertible seat. And to be honest with you, man, she was caked up. Yes, she was yes, hot. She was. French. She looked it's weird. She looked real good scooping her dead husband's brain. I don't. Of, well. It's a vulnerable moment for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> Back yeah, into the know, left. Be classy about history, I don't think. Back in the left is actually in the news these days because one of the Secret Service I, guys, you see this? Let's hear that, him out. That should be the slogan for my libertarian socialist. Oh, that's campaign. brilliant because you're Back. a primitivist. I'm back. Wait, it's back. Back in time. And, and, and to the, the left. left. Yeah. <laughs> and and because it's not right wing libertarian, right? Moving, I get you. Reclaiming, um, but one of the Secret Service guys says that he heard multiple shots, multiple directions, and uh, that he's the one who put the magic bullet on the uh, the thing where they were wheeling out the stretcher, where they're wheeling out JFK, uh, because that was always part of the theory. Is like this. Crazy bullet was zooming around, doing flips, going back and to the left, jerking people off or whatever. And then it just winds up next to JFK on the stretcher. And it became part of the elaborate magic bullet theory. And now one of the Secret Service guys is saying he found the bullet, this bullet on the floor, didn't know what to do with it. So he just put it on the stretcher and Oops. the rest is history. <laughs> I Everyone found at work is so mad. <laughs> Look at this huh? cool rock I found. <laughs> it's the most relatable presidential assassination fumble of all time. <laughs> Have you ever heard the theory that uh, like a Secret Service agent accidentally shot him and then they like covered it up? 
I have heard that. That'd be that so seems equally as plausible to me as the FBI CIA uh, mob connection is just like a all time whoopsie that we had to turn into something. Yeah. They we can't all. just tell America his security <laughs> guard bent over wrong and shot him in the head. <laughs> we'll never hear the end of it. The Soviets win automatically if that happens. <laughs> yeah, I guess that was that would be the motivation is the PR is bad. They don't care about that guy. So for a while, I was like, are they just doing it to protect that guy? Who they don't give a fuck. They want to do it to but take our right. guns. They Yeah, they would spread that as like a, I don't know. I do think the minute that you have somebody who's working in the White House admitting to moving around evidence, the uh, <clears throat> odds of a conspiracy do start to hit a force multiplier there. Yeah. I mean, this guy, he says that, I mean, he defends what he, he was just like, I didn't know what to do with it. And I, you know, there's so much chaos and shit going on. I was like, I'm just going to put it here and deal with it later. And then he assumed. It would, and then later, obviously, you don't want to be like, oh, I moved that. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of it is honestly, I think, intimidation and just kind of like not wanting to buck the system and, you know, be a troublemaker because the Warren Commission made it part of their thing. And he didn't want to, like, you know, go out on a limb and be the conspiracy guy because there's repercussions for that. Totally get that. Yeah. Absolutely. You'll love to see it. I'm sorry. Yeah, was that was kind something. of a crazy long time ago, wasn't it? <laughs> what is your voice? The 60s. <laughs> <laughs> the groovy, groovy 60s. Yeah. Well, speaking of the 60s, it's not the 60s. What's happening today? Oh, um, do you see this Hassan Minaj thing, Jake? Oh, yeah. Uh, That's pretty funny. I didn't... Okay, so I didn't really catch the details. It kind of sounded to me like he's being accused of fabricating a story about his son getting, like, tear gassed or something. Anthrax. And it's... Here's my question. Is this more of a Steve Ranazizi, I was in the towers at 9-11 type lie? Or is it just stand-up and he was just like embellishing because that's what he said right he said oh you know when you do stand up you embellish yeah, a little comedy. bit I think it's somewhere in the middle to where like it's like the Steve Rannis thing was just a lot that wasn't part of a bit that was just a lie he was telling people um, that was the weirdest part about it is that his wasn't ever in his stand right it was only for when he like got on Marin and was like it's time to get personal yeah and the strange thing about <laughs> it is he used it as like well I needed to, some way to explain leaving the financial industry to pursue comedy and he that justification well, became I know what I'll do 9/11. Um, <laughs> but with Hassan I think it's uh more it, there are certain things he's yeah just seems to have have made up and so I don't know the details of it. I believe I saw this special a long time ago, unless this is one of the newer ones. But um, I really like that he's playing it like he's doing high art with it, like he's doing the things they carried. Like, oh, this isn't true, but it might as well have been true because I'm telling essential truths, right? <laughs> It's not like in comedy where you say like, oh, I was out at uh, McDonald's and they called me uh, Shrek. <laughs> you know, it's like a, a kind of a lie about your son being attacked with anthrax. Yeah. You know, like when you say my son was attacked with anthrax the other day <laughs> and it wasn't the other day. It was three years ago. You haven't written any new material about your son getting anthraxed. When do the lies end, son? Stand up, baby. That's weird. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's about almost a, too much of an open and shut case for me, because the, the the parts he's lying about are not setups for jokes. They're stories that he wants you to believe are true, which is what a lie is. Mm. So take that as you will. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess we wouldn't be having this conversation if it was about a joke because people kind of understand that about jokes, right? You didn't break up with your girlfriend the other day. You wrote the joke five years ago, etc. But like, why do people feel the need 
to create these dramatic backstories for themselves, you know, with like this and the Steve Randazizi thing. Uh, why, like, what leg up does that give you? Or is it just part of the like psychology of modern people or Americans where like you have to create a weird superhero origin story for yourself? This is kind of making me think about the fact that like, you know, everyone you ever meet ever says that they grew up real poor mm-hmm. in America. And it's just like not, it can't be true for every single person. There's probably large gradients of like you were kind of middle class or whatever. But it's or more heroic when you're rich later that way. Mm-hmm. That's what it is, yeah. right? Like for some reason we have this like practice of self-mythologizing and like making us all seem like we just like risen from the ashes and everything was so sad. And it's going to look really cool in a movie someday or whatever. And you get to talk to Mark Marin about it. <laughs> yeah, there's like an open understanding that no one will respect your accomplishment if you are a famous actress and you are also the son, of, the daughter of John Voight, mm, you have to be true. Angelina Jolie. Yeah. <laughs> but a different person with a different last name and a body like a couch. I came from the poorest couch store. <laughs> I came I can... from Sleepies. I had, to, I had to act my way out of Sleepies. <laughs> yeah, it's. Yeah. I don't know if Sleepy sells couches. That might be misrepresentative. It's, I mean, I definitely relate. Like, uh, I think I've joked about this before, but like every time I um, admit to having gone to the new school, I need to like I have a compulsion that I need to pair that with letting people know that I went to community college first. Uh, and then when I say I went to community college, I feel like guilty that I'm misleading people. It's like, oh, yeah, I also went to the new school. Um, but I clowned we, my way in. <laughs> We do know somebody who is a comic that is like the inverse of all this, who pretends to be rich. Like, he's a guy, I don't know if I should name him, but he like, he has a bit about how he's like, uh, about how he has rich guy face and he looks like he's a bad guy from the eighties. And he's like my dad, but he's actually not like, he's from like this. He's like the son of immigrants and stuff. Um, I kind of like that. Yeah, it's like manifesting, right? Charming. It's it's the other way with it. He's not like he he's bending reality to his disadvantage. Yeah, then when you find that out, it's very you make, it makes you like him a right. lot. Yeah, you're like you're just a psycho. I know. <laughs> Although <laughs> about going to prep school, I mean, there is kind of this thing with like uh like that's that's not entirely uncommon. I think America is just a like a goofy ass place where all the rich people are like pretending to be poor and like there is kind of this thing where poor people will pretend to be yeah. rich because they like are perceiving society in the opposite way and think that that's everyone's doing something because they think it's to their advantage right grass right? is always greener <laughs> yeah rich people it's to their advantage to like pretend to be poor because uh, it makes you seem as though you came a really far away and that says something about your character and you're also like differentiating yourself from the Nepo babies and going, oh, no, I'm not one of those people that just had everything handed to them. I, you know, I'm special. Like I, I have a strong character or whatever. But like, you know, they're like poor people love like buying Gucci and shit and putting rims in their fucking car. I don't know. It's not like right wing radio host there's right a, now, but a like conservative guy talking point, but there's like, there's a really good reason you do that. And it's because we're all in an economic battle Royale together. Mm, <laughs> you yeah. Need an advantage somewhere. <laughs> it's like, but that's like kind of what you should do when you get a bunch of money. That was the point originally, right. Of all that shit is to like, uh, show off and, and like enjoy the money or whatever. And there's like this conspicuous, like, nature of of uh of being really flashy like that that it before you get to the inside out guilty rich people shit we're talking about it kind of makes sense like it's your advantage to pretend like you're more rich than you already are because then people will think you're rich and then they'll like be nice to you and invest in you and stuff like that like how a puffer fish gets really big (laughs) yeah um everybody's a puffer fish in the club Everybody in the club is a goddamn puffer fish. Well, you know who was uh, a class trader, a rich guy, banker who helped the poor and actually 
harmed his own uh, brethren of the financial Jesus elite. Christ. Much like Jesus Christ, uh, Elmer a guy named Jesus Christ, Elmer Benson, governor of Minnesota from the 1930s. You guys hear about him? Uh, I would never. I want to interject and say I would not have guessed in a million years. <laughs> this is top grade Anders shit, man. Oh, of course, Elmer Benson. <laughs> There's, yeah, there's this new article, I guess, from the hockey player Anders Lee, who now writes for, oh, for Jacobin. He's that was huge for him. Yeah, Jacobin writer. I didn't know he knew how to write. What? Well, yeah, who, who, he's got a great right hook, but also he has a great writer's um, wit. But I don't <laughs> coming up with these riffs. But uh, I, I wrote an article for Jacobin. About a topic we've discussed a little bit on the program, we have a, we have a bonus episode about the Farmer Labor Party in Minnesota in the 1930s, which was a major force in politics in Minnesota. But they also got national attention because there basically was no significant Democratic Party in Minnesota for much of the 19th and 20th centuries. Uh, it was more abund, and so the main competitor of the Republicans were the farmer laborers, and they had a couple governors. One was Floyd Olson, who was in, in the office for five years. He was more moderate, though. He was a, very much a pragmatist and a social democrat, and then for the last two years of their rule, they had this guy, Elmer Benson, after Floyd Olson dies, who is a bona fide, balls-to-the-wall socialist who I would say, and people can correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm not thinking of somebody, I would say this is the furthest left person to govern a state in the country. Uh, maybe I'm missing somebody. Somebody tell him he's wrong. Uh, yeah, no, it's, you're. I believe Break you. Break him down. <laughs> take your word for it, Anders Lee, the hockey player. Yeah, because so one of the competitors maybe is Philip LaFollette, who was governor of Wisconsin, part of the La Follette clan, who are progressives from Wisconsin. And, you know, we talk a lot these days, and it sounds a lot like we're kind of making much to do about nothing and blowing smoke, but the distinction between progressives and socialists and where it actually comes through. And if it seems silly these days sometimes, but if you actually look back historically, there are big differences, uh, especially with the La Follets and the farmer labor movement um, who, you know, they were simp simpatico in many ways. They worked a lot together on different things, but uh, there's one great scene. I didn't include this in the article, but there's a great scene in the book, a, a biography of, of Elmer Benson, which by the way, I had to go to the Bryant park library, go into a back room, reserve this copy. And I wasn't allowed to leave the library with it uh, to write this thing. Oh my God. But there's a scene where it's the 1930s and Phil LaFollette is meeting with his buddy, Elmer Benson, the governor of a neighboring state. And he's like, isn't it great that we have all these German and Italian youths who are interested in civics? Isn't it cool that they're like getting people involved? It is around their cultural identities, but that seems real neat and a positive thing for young people. And Elmer's just like, why don't I tell you about this thing called fascism? <laughs> See, that's a, a key distinction, I think, is, is, is uh, you know, civic motivation and activation is just an unambiguous good in many respects if you are a progressive. You don't necessarily see it in the same light. That's not to say progressives don't recognize fascism, but I think uh, socialists do it more clearly. Um, there's also... In the 1920s, you could argue it. Yeah, it, it could be argued. <laughs> yeah, in the and in the 20s, a uh, big distinction too was over the communists and socialists and the farmer laborers would allow uh, socialists in their ranks. Sometimes on paper they weren't supposed to be, but you had socialists infiltrating that that party, and uh, the progressives were thumbing their nose at that. So anyway, uh, Benson. Most radical dude to govern an American state. He was a banker, however, but he was he used his banking funds to fund uh, social movements and including the Farmer Labor Party, 
for a time. He uh, was a banking commissioner for a couple of years. Um, he fills in for Floyd Olson or, or fills in at Senate for like a year. Then he runs for governor. Uh, Floyd Olson dies. He becomes governor. Uh, he's elected overwhelmingly. And right off the bat, there is a strike among timberers in northern Minnesota and Benson um, decides, and there's this tim- work union led by an indigenous guy named Fred Lequeer, uh, who has all these lumberjacks. They're fighting the timber company. Uh, they're homeless. It's a strong French name. It might be Lequier. I'm not sure how to <laughs> pronounce it. Um, but he's a fascinating character as well. Uh, Frederick Lequeer here. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, Benson opens the Duluth Armory, lets the strikers sleep there, and then he uses state relief funds to set up soup kitchens uh, in in northern Minnesota. So these these strikers who were getting crushed, they were homeless, they were hungry. Now they have places to sleep and eat. That's a lot less leverage for the company, uh, who then gets their scab trucks taken off the road because Governor Benson says to the highway patrol, don't let scabs drive. Um and that, that leads to them getting a contract. He, the, the, I think the most fascinating thing about this guy is he does not shy away from using the National Guard to settle strikes, which that alone doesn't make him unique. Um, that's a common thing throughout American history. When there's a militant labor movement, you often use the National Guard to, to put them you know, down, put down strikes and things. But he had a very strict red line, which is, I, he said, I will never use my authority to break a strike. So he was actually using the National Guard and other authorities to go after bosses and, in several cases, police forces. So in uh, Duluth, he makes his National Guard guy begrudgingly. Um, they, the, the National Guard there sends ships and puts their men, uh, like lines them up, in front of this like picket where the cops are just beating the shit out of people and they stand down and then they get their contract. A uh, similar thing happens in Al- the town of Albert Lee where Albert Lee here, where Albert Lee, Albert Lee here, where there's a uh, sheriff who's a former pro wrestler. His name's Helmer Meyer. And he decides to bombard the union hall in the town. He hates unions. So he attacks it with bombs and torpedoes. And he smokes out all these unionists. He brings them into jail. All these workers from neighboring towns come. They're furious. They're throwing snowballs and shit. I'm sorry. So how do you torpedo town hall? Does town hall have a fleet? Uh, the union hall. Um, I think you... Sorry, union he hall. Threw them, he like threw them through the windows. So it's, it's oh, okay. just like it's a... a land torpedo. I guess so. Yeah, that's what it said in the book is torpedoes. Uh but there's been so much change in the last <laughs> years. Um, but they, the governor shows up. Elmer Benson shows up. He's pissed off. He goes into the jail, and all these people are locked up. And he says, "Let them go. I I order you to turn these people loose." And the sheriff is like freaking out. And in his haste, he just lets out the entire jail. So that includes like just random guys who are just in jail. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. Um, Tonight, there's going to be a jailbreak. That's right. Somewhere so in the don't town. You be around. <laughs> um, I don't know how to yes and this, but that's, I know some of the lyrics to that. Was song. that Thin Lizzy? Were we talking about that the other day? How he says there's going to be a jailbreak somewhere in the town, and it's like, yeah, at the jail. Oh, yeah, where else would it be? That's a good point. In America, you don't know which jail it's at. It could be anywhere. It could be any town. They're all over the place. Um, I'm just staying home. That's how I'm not going to be around. Nice. Interesting. Towns are all over the place. Fair. Yeah. Good point. Uh, Towns are crazy, man. But this this guy, also just a couple more highlights. So he, um, the National Guard, he uses them again and again, repeatedly as a stick to discipline capital. Uh, there's a power company in the Twin Cities, which has a, a strike going on. And uh, Elmer Benson, 
says, uh, okay, well, if you're going to cut off uh, the power, which they're threatening to do to get the union to capitulate, he says, well, I'm just going to use the National Guard to operate the power system and will nationalize power, which is what we want to do anyway. Uh, so they have to bend to his will. Um, he also declines to renew the license for the Pinkertons. So while he was governor, the Pinkertons could not operate in the state of Minnesota. So basically, the only boys in town who could really lay down the law in a the militant way when it came to labor was his National Guard, was his, you know. Those are our boys. Right. And some of them were. They're the only boys in town. Yeah. Some of them were like intransigent. There's one guy who like owned a uh, furniture company who uh, tried to recruit scabs and he was a member of the National Guard and uh, Benson just court martials him. Um, and, you know, for them. It's kind of it's kind of interesting that you could just turn the Pinkertons off because, you know, when you do a left bashing or what have you and you're smashing unions and all these militant groups or whatever, they have this like ideological and personal lens on everything that's like maybe they'll keep fighting anyway, even though it's illegal. The Pinkertons are only there as their job. Yeah. So if you just like make it not a job, they have to go home. <laughs> That's true. Right. They're they're free agents. They're kind of like uh Bronze Age pervert, you know, his ideal men who are just total mercenary, like soulless, violent chads. Um well, we don't have to get <laughs> We don't have to get back into Bronze Age pervert, man. Yeah. Leave him alone, he's too strong. Check out that bonus episode. It's quite a tale. Um, Terrell dapped me up after after I played basketball with him. <laughs> but uh, no, that one wasn't him though. That was the that other was the guy. Australian guy. But that was the other. The bartender pervert is not Australian. Oh, on the as far as about this. yeah, he's Romanian. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. But um, fair, fair. But the basically, so he was only in office for two years. He, uh, you know, the tide's kind of turning. It's a midterm year. So the Republicans win in Minnesota. Um, and he kind of goes back to obscurity for until the eight, 19, he lives until the 1980s. And he's just like this grumpy old guy in this small town in Minnesota who sometimes gets interviewed. Uh, but I think it's an interesting lesson for us now because, you know, in uh, DSA, for instance, the focus electorally, and I support this, and I totally understand it, and I'm with it. Uh, the focus is on legislative seats. Uh, you know, we, we want blocks on city councils, state houses, etc. cetera. Uh, but if there does come a time when we want a mayoralty or a governorship, and that's achievable and makes sense to do, I think you have to use the National Guard. You have to use things at your disposal um, and this hopefully will come with like a militant labor movement uh, that need, it needs to be supported because if, if you know, Sean Fain, Sean O'Brien, if this sort of upsurge in labor that we're seeing is serious and, and becomes increasingly militant, you're going to see this stuff that seems antiquated now come back again uh, with these, you know, sometimes violent struggles between police, between private security and trade unionists that stuff isn't it, it it hasn't happened in a while because there has not been a powerful labor movement so if that changes then you're going to have people in these positions who are going to have to decide well what do we do about these crazy unionists are we going to send in the national guard and if we have people like elmer benson in, in charge um yes they will send them in but to bust up the baddies uh which i think is especially relevant when it comes to police forces, which maybe, you know, I've said this before, I don't think you get any significant change in American policing without just the military coming in and overseeing it. Are you suggesting, Anders Lee, the hockey player that wrote this article, that we need to elect a governor named after a glue cow <laughs> who will utilize the National Guard on the side of the workers in the upcoming uh, inevitable labor battles between the rising unions and uh, the, the, the bosses. I basically am saying, though I, I will add a caveat, is this is 
that type of thing is a still a long way off from where we are right now, but it's uh, never too early to start thinking about. It would be cool. Yeah. Okay. That's, it's cool that that happened. I think it would be cool. <laughs> I think it would be cool too. You know, it's going to be some state like uh, Arkansas or something. It's not going to be New York or California or any of these damn strongholds. Yeah, I mean, they, I think Kathy Hochul is going to bring in the fucking National Guard. Based Kathy. I mean, it's a rarity for it to be. I, th- I, I mean, even uh, Floyd Olson, who was the other former labor governor in Minnesota, he sent out the National Guard. He did use it to uh, raid the offices of like right wing anti-union militant factions. But he also used it on strike leadership and he arrested strike leadership. So some people call him a strike breaker. Um, so hopefully we can make it a, a standard to not use forces to break strikes, which you know hasn't had to be a question in years, decades, but uh, it could become one. There, there were no strikes. Yeah. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> It, I think Carter may have done that actually when he was president. Uh, he used um, Taft Hartley to stop a strike, which despicable. He threw a bunch of peanuts on the workers. Yeah, take a penis. Um, and then he built them this a house. For salt in a workplace. <laughs> He's actually in the news because his him and he and Rosalind they've been dying for like a year now. Uh, Is he not dead? No, I thought he died last year, and we all we all talked about they, it. He it was announced that they're putting in hospice and that they're coming to the end. But here's oh the thing: God. just like what are you, my fucking uncle, get out of here. <laughs> he and Rosalind are in the same mode. They've shrunk to the same size, and they have the same condition. It seems or very similar ones. Um, I think much like with a sexual partner. Some people will try to climax at the same time. I think they're trying to sync up their deaths. <laughs> you know, one is very similar to the other in a way. <laughs> That's romantic. It is. In a psychosexual manner. I admire Don't it. you hate it when you're trying to die at the same time as your romantic partner? And then you're like, did, did you die? <laughs> did you die? Uh, did you die yet? Did and then you're like, yeah, like, oh, fuck. Did help she you die? <laughs> Do you think she faked dying? Did you, she faked her death? Yeah, she just like waits and like keeps her eye open ah! and to see if she's dead. <laughs> kind of like Romeo and Juliet. moaning in the other room. I know she's not dead. <laughs> oh, oh talk, no! Talk this to me. This is it! <laughs> oh, yeah. That's stupid. All right, well. <sighs> I think that's all the news that's fit to eat. How's that's the saying all go? the news that's fit to print. Print. I love oh. running this newspaper that we do. <laughs> uh, uh, any plugs this week? Anybody got something going on? Oh, man. I got all those damn shows out of the way. Thank you for coming to Littlefield uh, when we opened for PDA for uh, MDC, Minion Death Cult. It was fucking fun. Um... I think I'm doing stand-up sporadically throughout the rest of the month. I'll be at Fun House in Williamsburg the 20th Wednesday. I'm on that show. Oh, cool. Come see me and Anders. How about that? Don't don't wear the same outfit. Oh, no, Um, dude. That would be cute. That'd be cool, yeah. Everyone will think. We'll both dress like Nathan Robinson. There you go. These guys are two cool guys. Um, They dress exactly like each other. And then after that, I'm moving to L.A. I don't know if I've talked about that on the show recently. I'm leaving New York. I'm moving to L.A. in October. So I'll see you there, and I'll have plugs there. So if you listen to the show from L.A., you can some, come see me do stand-up at some dumb restaurant that lets uh, uh, people who are never going to be famous do open mics in the back of it. I guess this plug is for that big earthquake that's going to happen historically <laughs> at some point, jettisoning the state off into the sea. Earthquake Jake. Nice. Earthquake Jake. Uh, we have another plug, too. Come out to paid protest on October 6th at Silo and Bushwick. Doors 7. New York, baby. Show 730. We got some great comics on the program. Friend of the show, Katie Halpert, is on it. Mara Wiles 
Ishmael Lutfi, uh, a lot of funny people on that jazz. So uh, comment out to that. It'll be, yeah, October 6th. That's also cool. my plug. I also want you to go to that on October 6th. And I'll put my I'll put my article in the comments. As well. Yeah. Your article. Not the comments. The uh, show notes. Anders Lee's article. That's show right. Notes. Jacobin writer Anders Lee. And also Lee. it's the hockey player Anders Lee's article. There you go. He wrote about Elmer Benson. He's from Minnesota. <laughs> he, uh, he loves. He, of course he is. He may have. You don't think this could have happened? He's from Minnesota. I was <laughs> extremely distraught to learn. Uh, I was looking up Open Secrets, my name on you know the donation database, and he apparently has donated to Republicans. But they're New Jersey oh, Republicans, wow. so maybe they're not as bad. But still. I don't know if that's how that works. These writers Jacobin is platforming are out of control. <laughs> Ay, ay, ay. All right. It's finished. Bye bye. <laughs> Why do you always say that weird Muppet voice? Meatwad says goodbye. <laughs>